This is episode 23 of the Angry Tech News Podcast for Tuesday, February 15th, 2022. This is the Angry Tech News Podcast at angrytechnews.com. Now your host, the Angry Programmer with a mic, Brian Bemrose. I've been trying to work a headline segment into Angry Tech News for a while now. There's too many stories to cover. Many are important enough that I think you should hear about them, but I really don't have more than 30 or 40 seconds worth of rant for them. My attempts to bring you a segment of short news blurbs has been thwarted multiple times for many reasons, but mostly it boils down to two. First of all, I haven't been happy with how they fit into the show. And second, I seem to lack the ability to concisely talk about a story and then shut up about it. Even the news that I think only has a few bare facts and maybe 20 seconds worth of content, I seem to just go on and on about, injecting irrelevant anecdotes and opinions like they're part of the story. I give an example thusly. Police in Essex, UK, arrested 11 cocaine dealers based on an image posted to dark web chat service EncroChat. One of the dealers posted a photo to the service of himself holding a large rock of cocaine in his palm. While the man's fingerprints weren't visible in the photo, enough of his palm and lower fingers were visible for police forensics to positively ID the man and get an address to an East London workshop. From there, police identified and arrested 10 other dealers using the site. Yeah, so maybe it's not really a tech news story, but it does have a moral. If what you're doing is so privacy sensitive that you have to go to a chat service on the dark web, maybe don't post identifying biometrics. Back in the days of yore, by which I mean 2014, MoviePass was a service with a great idea that ran headlong into a failing but powerful business model. It was a subscription-based movie ticket service in which you'd pay a certain tier of monthly fee and get up to three unspecified movie tickets per month at a steep discount. Then, when you were at the theater, you'd use their app to check in with which movie and viewing you wanted, and MoviePass would load up a prepaid debit card with which you could buy the movie. Ultimately, the service shut down as theater owners, unhappy at being cut out of the lucrative movie-going market, started blocking MoviePass users from their theaters. In addition to that, MoviePass started to realize that paying full price for tickets while charging your users a small fraction of that amount was causing them to lose money. In fact, Probably the most lucrative thing to come out of MoviePass was when their subscriber database was leaked in 2019 due to a data breach. Well, all of that's over now. The MoviePass name is back and as something completely different. MoviePass now stands for ads. But not just those silly ads that always stream before a video that you just let it run on your phone while you're off making a sandwich. No, the new service claims that it will use facial recognition and eye tracking via their app, of course, to make sure that you're watching your ads. If it detects that your attention has wandered, the service pauses the ad until your attention returns. Only when the new system is satisfied that you've fully absorbed your subliminal marketing will it allow you to watch the free movie or video that you've chosen. The service can also be tied in with a digital wallet or cryptocurrency, they say, to award users money once it's satisfied you've sufficiently stared at the advertising. Reportedly, MoviePass has already pitched the idea to several video producers, 
and expects to have its app ready later this year. Me, I think they vastly underestimate just how much end users will hate this kind of micromanaging. I think it'll take two weeks before the system is hacked, or if it's not hacked, it'll simply be abandoned for something that doesn't dehumanize people and destroy their dignity. Of course, if I have a weak spot in my ability to predict the future, it's my boundless optimism in humanity. I've been proven wrong before. And NFT marketplace Scent.co has halted all NFT transactions on its platform, citing rampant counterfeiting on the platform. CEO Cameron Hejazi told Reuters that it kept happening. We would ban offending accounts, but it was like we were playing a game of whack-a-mole. Every time we'd ban one, three more would pop up. Specifically, Scent users were selling NFTs based on images that they don't have the rights to, NFTs made to resemble other tradable assets, and even NFTs of other NFTs. Scent isn't the only marketplace having NFT fraud issues. Last month, OpenSea, the largest NFT marketplace, placed a 50-item limit on its free minting tool, explaining that over 80% of the items created with that tool were plagiarized fake or spam. After numerous user complaints, OpenSea removed the limit, again inviting scammers to transact via their platform. Longtime listeners to Angry Tech News already know my position on NFTs, but if you're still out of the fence, don't take my word for it. Listen to the experts. This is a scam. From the Box Go Boom department. Tesla has been ordered by the U.S. National Highway Transportation Safety Administration to issue two software recalls this month. The first recall rolls back an assertiveness update to Tesla's beta of full self-driving feature, which allowed the AI-piloted car to behave more like a human. In other words, more dangerous. Specifically, it allowed FSD mode to perform a rolling stop through a stop sign when there is no other traffic around. A maneuver which, despite being performed safely millions of times per day by drivers all over the world, happens to be illegal. So Tesla was forced to roll back the update for thousands of vehicles with FSD enabled. Fortunately for Tesla, taking features away is just as easy as granting them. More on that later. The second recall is feature regarding a feature known as Boombox. Electric cars are quiet. They make no engine noise, and at higher speeds they make tire and wind noise, but at idle speeds they're pretty much silent. Personally, I consider this a welcome feature that helps reduce the oppressive amount of noise pollution in today's cities. But when electric cars first started hitting the streets, some people noticed a peculiar hypothetical problem. An oblivious pedestrian lulled into a false sense of security by a lack of engine noise might blithely stumble into the street and get run over by an electric car. The silent killer. Regulators, desperate to prove that they're not obsolete, immediately sprang into action. They passed new rules requiring that pedestrians put the phone away and look both ways before stepping out into the road. The penalty for breaking this rule is getting your ass run over. Ha ha ha! No, just kidding. This is the government. They would never go with the common sense option. No, instead, Congress passed a law that, starting in 2020, all electric vehicles have to make noise at low speeds. I think we can all agree that this is a perfectly reasonable requirement that both combats the dire problem of cities becoming too quiet and fulfills the government's duty of protecting people from the consequences of their own stupidity. Unless, of course, they're also wearing earbuds and can't hear the government-mandated noise. Oh, crap. 
back to the regulatory drawing board. Nah, just kidding. They're going with it. So Tesla responded to this new noise requirement by, why not, mounting speakers to the front of the car, from which the vehicle will play simulated engine noises. From there, it was an impossibly short jump to allowing the user to play any arbitrary audio uploaded from your phone via the vehicle's Bluetooth and sent out the new speaker's ghetto blaster style for everyone near the car to enjoy. Thus, Tesla's boombox feature was born. Well, if you spent any amount of time around the internet, you probably know where this leads. Inevitably, someone will find a way to use this power to piss off their fellow humans and then upload a YouTube or TikTok video about it. A new viral fad has emerged of users making their Tesla play fart noises near a busy sidewalk and then record the reactions of nearby pedestrians. The rest of the story plays out pretty much the way you think it would. The NHTSA investigated the videos and determined that somebody using the boombox feature to, oh, I don't know, play music or something, could drown out the legally mandated fake engine noise and fool an unsuspecting pedestrian into thinking that a wild rock concert was bearing down on them at idle speeds instead of a car. And so a few fart app TikTokers had to go out and ruin it for everyone else. Tesla has issued a software update which disables the boombox function unless the vehicle is in park. Oh, and for those that are counting, this is Tesla's 10th recall since October. That many mistakes in four months, one might almost think that maybe the company is being irresponsible, issuing so many untested or poorly designed features. But that's the old style thinking from the old industry where an automaker sells you a car and it's yours afterward. A recall in that industry involves sending out thousands of postcards begging vehicle owners to please, please visit their dealership to have the car worked on. Not so when every car is a Wi-Fi enabled smartphone. When you buy a Tesla, you purchase it in name only. The company retains full control to add or remove features at their whim to track where you go and how fast you get there. And they can even remotely disable your car if you do something unconscionably evil, like miss an electronic payment or support truckers on social media. You don't own that car. You're leasing it for a very high cost in money and agency. That's the Silicon Valley model. I guess some people are okay with that. Me, I'll just stick to the car that can't be remotely turned off when, hypothetically, some butthurt crybaby in Ottawa or a demented zombie in Washington, D.C. strong arms a corporation. But you do you. Maybe the only people in this story I can feel sorry for are the poor bureaucrats at the NHTSA an agency which was founded to regulate the old-style auto industry, where innovation moves slowly and a new feature isn't rolled out until it can be proven with a mathematical certainty that it can be done safely and without any side effects. Such an agency is poorly equipped to respond to the Silicon Valley style of move fast and break things. Let's just hope they can all figure it out before a software update moves too fast and breaks too many things out on the highway. From the Sim Within a Sim department, Electronic Arts announced this week their latest expansion to The Sims 4, called My Wedding Stories. Let me stop here a moment and point out that in the gaming industry, where customers' attention spans are usually measured in the milliseconds, it's uncommon for a game to continue receiving official development work from its studio for even two years after release. 
The Sims 4 released in 2014 and is still getting official DLC eight years after release. That's unheard of and a testament to the incredible continuing popularity of the title. Okay, enough fawning, back to the cynicism. The expansion will be available to Sims users beginning February 17th, unless you're in Russia, where EA announced the expansion will not be available, period. According to EA Marketing, the new expansion is all about telling stories about your Sims in love, with no regard to rules about which gender roles are involved. While I think it's safe to say, the vast majority of Sims player-arranged marriages will mirror the vast majority of real-world human weddings and feature exactly one man and one woman, the game does absolutely nothing to enforce this outcome. In fact, same-sex marriages between virtual game world NPCs is not only allowed, it is an intentional feature. EA's marketing campaign for the new DLC focuses mainly on a wedding between two Sims, Dom and Cam, who are both female. So what does this have to do with Russia? Well, obviously anyone who follows Russian legal matters, you do, don't you, can tell you about a 2013 federal law whose full title translates as for the purpose of protecting children from information advocating for a denial of traditional family values, but which Wikipedia much more succinctly labels as the anti-gay law, which I guess there's that neutral point of view we keep hearing so much about. The Russian law makes illegal propaganda of a non-traditional sexual relationship and makes it a crime to allow children to see such propaganda because no matter where you are in the world, the best way to get support for your law is to pass it for the children, of course. It is not clear how the new expansion would be explicitly illegal in Russia. The Sims was already rated adults only there due to prior same-sex content and thus isn't already isn't marketed to or officially available to children. But to read the EA press release, the decision is entirely about Dom and Cam, the lesbian Sims, and how it would be compromising the values we live by to not tell their story specifically. The company puts this statement under the subtitle, Celebrating Love Your Way, a heading which seems to suggest the EA marketing team believe that only lesbians play their game. And not judging people, I'd, I'd be a lesbian myself if I could. But personally, I find it hard to take a side here. On the one hand, using governmental force like Russia does to curb freedom of speech is always wrong, regardless of which moral high ground you claim to stand on. On the other hand, a company that is so woke that they would rather drop a market of 25 million people than change their marketing campaign to fit local laws is clearly thinking ideologically and not rationally. The real issue from which this controversy is distracting us, however, is when will The Sims finally end its oppressive enforcement of binary gender norms and allow Sims to identify as the other 73 genders? A big angry thanks to Sir Spud the Mighty and Kristen Gotchula for producing this episode of Angry Tech News. Angry Tech News is produced on the value for value model. We don't take sponsors, we don't play ads, and we don't charge you to listen, but we are funded by your donations. So if you got value from listening to this show, please send some value back. Go to angrytechnews.com and click on the donate button. Send what you think this show was worth to you, whether it's $25, $75, or $225. That's all for me. I'm Ryan Bemrose, the Angry Programmer. I'll come back next week with more Angry Tech News. This has been Angry Tech News with the Angry Programmer, Ryan Bemrose at Angry Tech News.
Stay angry. Stay angry. Stay angry.